Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. Had some good calls last segment. Let's continue it right now, 833-804-0910, to chime in about the Commander's 38-31 loss. Uh, Big shout-out to the folks listening in on the Odyssey app and tweeting us at 910thefan and at AWOD Radio. Uh, XO Commanders lets me know that they're listening on Twitter. Alex is taking a listen as well. Troy in D.C. And uh, Glory804 says, AWOD, it was nice to see that we can take Jahan Dotson off the milk court. Cancel the Amber Alert as Han Solo Dotson showed up for Washington in the loss. Um, you know, we talked about it all season. You know, everyone was posting the memes of uh, Vince McMahon crying and saying, man, rookie Jahan Dotson was special. Well, he looked like a rookie once again yesterday. Eight catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown, a 23-yard catch in which he had a really good route. He looked crisp. He had a couple diving catches. One of them I couldn't believe he caught it, uh, lying on the ground on a low throw by Sam Howe. So, Great to see Jahan Dotson step up in a big way. Also, Jamison Crowder looked good. Uh, It was fun to see him get that touchdown at the end of the game. I get it. It was garbage time, but Sam Howe just kind of flicked the wrist, flicked the wrist, and uh, Crowder caught it for a 26-yard score. As um, It is a misery Monday here, but I tell you, I'm not feeling that miserable because the offense really did look sharp. Um, Defensively, yeah, I feel like Jack Del Rio let me down by putting Emmanuel Forbes on A.J. Brown, by not getting after a hurt Jalen Hurts. He's literally limping up and down the field. And, um, you know, that was the other thing. I actually thought Jalen Hurts looked more like Donovan McNabb than he's ever looked yesterday against the Commanders. You guys remember, all right, I'm 30 years old here, so I remember about 15 years ago, Donovan McNabb was the quarterback for the Eagles. And anytime he played against Washington, he would just keep plays alive. And McNabb was never the speediest quarterback, but he just moved at his own pace and was able to run past offensive or defensive linemen. And that's what Hurts did on a multiple scrambles, all right? He was just kind of rolling around and just finding a way to not get a sack or to get back to the line of scrimmage. And then he had one uh, big uh, seven-yard run to move the chains and get a first down. And uh, a slower Jalen Hurts just really reminded me of Donovan McNabb. He, he looked like a, a veteran there, uh, doing just enough to get his Eagles the win, 21 points, limping in the fourth quarter and getting the win. Uh, Stubb. How are you doing? I haven't talked to you much today, man. How was your weekend? Pretty good. I did some Halloween celebration, that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah, I want to recap Halloween uh, coming up a little later, but what was your biggest takeaway from the Commanders game? Well, uh, in terms of things that we haven't talked about yet, you've been pretty hard on the defense, but they did get that tush-push stop, which I yeah. thought was, was super interesting because no yeah, one else was right. able to do that. You know what? Yes, big shout-out to Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Kendall Fuller helped out on the tush push. You're right. If there's one thing that we can uh, take as motivation defensively moving forward, it is that we finally stop the tush push. And hopefully that play will be stopped forever on out now because people have some tape on how to stop it. Now, we did get a little lucky. Uh, Hertz fumbled the ball, and it's not like we stopped him, more like they botched it. But uh, I think part of the reason he fumbled is because we got a great push up front from Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. And we haven't talked about those guys enough this year. 
because I don't think they're getting the sacks that we've expected. Heck, this defensive line isn't getting the sacks that we all expected, but they came up in a big way uh, against the Eagles there. And uh, it's just that's what's so frustrating also, right? It's like, so A.J. Brown beat us down the field, got stopped at the one, but then we stopped the tush push and got it right back just for us to punt and then have A.J. Brown beat us two more times down the field. He was unguardable yesterday. And so I get it. You know, it's hard to be, you know, too harsh on our defense when a wide receiver just makes incredible catches, like one-handed, floating out of bounds, still got his two feet in. Uh, but you have to do, have a better scheme against him. Can't have him go one-and-one, one, and you definitely can't have your rookie who's been struggling going up a su- against a superstar like A.J. Brown. Another takeaway, Stubb. Uh, I, I think it's just it was a lot of what you were saying that that no call from Ron was just upsetting to watch because <laughs> I, yeah. I even, like I don't I've been recently trying to get a lot more into football and even I could tell that that was a bad play. Right. Do you like my Do you like my metaphor that it felt like the Eagles were running away from the police there? I mean, they, yeah, it was just they it, looked so guilty. <laughs> I, I like watching it on Fox. Like it, they had to like cut in the middle of what they were saying to in order to show the play. Like it, it right. seemed like the editors were in a rush. So I don't know how they couldn't have noticed that <laughs> that everyone was clearly trying to get this done fast. It- yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing that happened last year. It's just, you know, when you're watching a game at home, when a team does the hurry up, you know, most of the time it's because they know that their guy dropped it. And so it's the it's just the simple signal to the opposing team's head coach that, hey, why don't you throw the challenge flag? Even if you throw the flag and then you talk to the you talk to the refs and you say, Oh yeah, you know, we bought our time here. We're going to pick up the challenge flag because people have done that, right? You throw the challenge flag, and then you say, oh, oh, so you're calling that a catch? Oh, I want to change my mind here. I'll pick up the flag, right? But you buy yourself some more time to take a look at the replay. He didn't even throw the flag. And so it's just another thing of what is Ron Rivera being paid to do? He's not being paid to help out the offense. He's not being paid to help up the defense. He is not helping out the special teams. He's not doing anything with his draft picks. He's not doing anything good with his free agent wide rec- or his free agents, right? Uh, what is he being paid to do? Because he's just done nothing here in Washington, and I would like him to be fired before Thanksgiving. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It seems like Eric Bieniemy doesn't care who's the head coach. He's going to make sure this offense uh, looks good and puts up some points. I- I- I'm so glad that he made the adjustments to the quick throws, um, but yeah. That, that was some of uh, my biggest takeaways. Did we miss anything, Stubb? Anything that was a big part of that game that we haven't really discussed yet? Um, nothing that I can think of. Those those were like the big moments. I mean, the like like with the tush push thing, they said the Eagles were undefeated at the five yard line, and we stopped them twice. Yeah. So it w- it was a bad defense, but they they weren't completely without any, you know, successes. Yeah. No, you're right. The defensive line did their job. It's just uh, it's highlighted the fact that our secondary was not good enough. Right last season, and I get it. Kendall Fuller's played much better this year. All right? Benjamin St. Juice has taken a step back, and we have not gotten the play from the safeties we thought we were going to get. I will say Cameron Curl looked great. Cameron Curl looked great, uh, but I didn't think Percy Butler had a great game. Danny Johnson didn't have a good game. Quan Martin didn't really show up, uh, but my biggest issue defensively is the fact that David Mayo Looks like he chugged Mayo before the game because he is so much slower than anybody else out there on the field. And he led our defense in tackles with nine. That's a huge issue. It felt like anytime they targeted David Mayo, they were getting eight or nine yards per play. And I get it. He wasn't supposed to start this season. Cody Barton was leading the team in tackles. Then he got hurt. But why aren't we seeing 
more Kalik Hudson? Why aren't we seeing Jamin Davis be the leader of the uh, of the middle of the field at linebacker? Not David Mayo. David, I'm so slow. It looks like I just drank a whole jar of mayo out there just embarrassing us. Uh, so frustrating to see that take place as the Commanders lose 38-31. to uh, Dude, if we're talking about bright spots, though, and like I said, this is only a 2 out of 10 for me on the scale of 1 through 10 in misery. I do think you have to talk about for the fact that for the first time, we finally, we finally had a good start to this game, right? I mean, we, we've been saying all year, Ron Rivera starts slow. He's, he's terrible at the beginning of games. But, man, when you look at what happened uh, at the beginning of this game here, we had eight plays, 27 yards, and then you punt. But you know what? The defense stepped up in a big way, got a three and out. The offense then had a great touchdown drive, three plays thanks to the 26-yard catch by Terry McLaurin. Yes, we give up a field goal, bend but don't break to the Eagles. And then the offense gets the ball back once again and goes right down the field, ends the first quarter with a touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. And just like that, we're up 14-3. to 14-3. And we had a big opportunity to extend that lead after a fumble, and it came down to a fourth down play. And Sam Howell looked to his left and threw it to Terry McLaurin. And replays show that, one, McLaurin was not open, and two, that was a bad decision by Howell. Um, but it just it stinks because I, I don't want to highlight that too much here because I think he played great, but... Just a couple of moments where maybe Coach Eric Bieniemy could have put him in a better position there. Um, you know, it just sucks that we can't run the ball. Like, if that was the Eagles on fourth and one, they would have just done the tush push and probably got it. But we've shown all season long that we can't push the pile at the line of scrimmage with our beat up and just overrated offensive line. None of these guys are going to make the Pro Bowl, nor should they. None of them would even be really contributors on another team. It's a makeshift offensive line, and we bring in Tyler Larson, gets his first start. You brought in Nick Gates in the offseason, and you bench him after seven weeks. That goes back to your head coach right there. And so that was a big turning point in the game here where I, I actually said to my friend when we were watching the game, I would have kicked the field goal and gone up by two scores, 17-3. to three. I like the confidence in the offense to go for it on fourth down, but I don't like the play calling being just a drop-back pass uh, when on fourth and one you should be at least play-actioning and, and at least putting some fear into the opponent that you're going to just hand the ball off. And um, we have not shown the ability to convert third and shorts or fourth and short all season long, and that's been frustrating. And that absolutely is because we're not winning in the trenches with the offensive line. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, and I should let everybody know that with Monday Night Football tonight, Capitol Ale House is the place to be because they run the late night. With the late night menu from 9 p.m. to close, including half-off appetizers and double rewards points, right? You can get giant Bavarian pretzel for half-off. You can get the nachos for half-off. You can get Belgian-style fries for half off, even calamari. So take advantage of the late-night menu here at Cap Ale. Come on by for Monday Night Football and tell them AWOD sent you. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Commanders. We're proud to be the home for... 
every Commander's game right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM with a two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show and the best damn Commander's talk in town with MP on the mic from 10 to noon. And definitely need to be listening to him this week as he was in the locker room after the game and he will be back in Ashburn on Wednesday hearing from the rest of the Commander's and Ron Rivera. Uh, but, Stubb, do you have that clip of Brian Robinson? I want to hear B-Rob after the game talking about this team. They've got to work on finishing, right? I mean, they had a 14-3 lead. They had a 7-point fourth quarter lead, but they have to finish games if they want to be a playoff team. Here's Brian Robinson. I think we prepare very, very well. And, um, you know, you know, we always talk about, you know, start fast. And uh, I feel like we came out and, you know, we started, you know, pretty fast. And, uh, you know, and we also talk about finishing strong. So, uh, you know, that's something we got to continue to, you know, work on, you know, work on finishing. You know, when we, you know, have a lead on guys and, you know, have the momentum, we got to find, keep the lead and keep the momentum in our direction. Absolutely. And one of the ways that they could have gotten the momentum back is if Ron Rivera had simply thrown the challenge flag. Ron Rivera, man, he, he must be—he must have the cleanest household in the world because he just doesn't like throwing laundry on the floor. That's all it would have taken, right? A little red flag on the ground, and I think the Commanders win the game, but instead the Eagles score 21 fourth-quarter points and come back to defeat Washington at FedEx Field. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You can be the quarterback, the GM, the head coach of this segment by calling AWOD, 833-804-0910. 804-0910. Let's go back to the phone lines. Robert in Midlothian. Oh, Robert, call back in if you want to get on air here. Looks like your phone, uh, we just lost connection with you. Robert, call back in if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Uh, but one thing that's really cool, Stub, after the game is Sam Howell is a national story right now. Sam Howell is trending. After leading the league in fantasy points, he is trending on social media. 39 for 52, nearly 400 yards passing, 397 yards, four touchdowns, an incredible passer rating of 114. He was great, and he and he threw it to all different receivers. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, eight catches, 108 yards. Um, Logan Thomas had a great game as well. So it's just great because a lot of people are starting to notice that it seems like we have our guy here. Some of the comments here I'm finding online, Ty says 52 pass attempts for a second-year guy. Man, maybe we needed to run the ball more, but he did look great. Uh, Eric tweets, Eric Bieniemy called a great game. Andrew tweets, Sam Howell might be the court best quarterback in his draft class. Eddie tweets, he's got a chance to grow into a great player. Hopefully, they give him time to develop and build the team around him, and yeah, I, th- I think that's the the biggest takeaway that you have to have if you want to be positive and look for bright spots in the loss, and that is that throughout the season, wins or losses do not matter as much as finding your franchise quarterback. Because uh, from all accounts, anybody that I've talked to that is a Commanders fan doesn't want Ron Rivera to be here next year, right? So Ron Rivera getting into the playoffs doesn't really matter. We don't want him to be our quarterback anymore. We don't want him to be our head coach anymore. But we do need to figure out who the quarterback is going to be. And I think that right now, if a new head coach came in and saw that on tape from Sam Howell, they would say, yeah, we don't need to draft Caleb Williams. We don't need to trade up for Drake May. Let's bolster the offensive line. Let's get some help in the secondary. 
Let's draft a playmaking middle linebacker. All right? Let's see if we can keep either Montez Sweat or Chase Young, and let's build around a young quarterback. What is the algorithm it takes to win a Super Bowl in the NFL? It's simple. You have a quarterback on a rookie tag. You have a quarterback on a rookie contract, and because of that, he's not making too much, that it bloats the rest of the guy's salaries, and you can pay to have a big wide receiver, right? That's how the Eagles got A.J. Brown, because they got hurt still on a young quarter, uh, young guy's quarter, uh, quarterback contract. You know, Look at Patrick Mahomes, how the Chiefs have built around him. Now, they've paid these guys, obviously, because they've showed their worth, but that is exactly how you build a winning franchise in the NFL. 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Um, I think there's another thing here that we need to talk about with the Commanders game, and that is the fact that Jack Del Rio let this team down by putting Emmanuel Forbes into a lose-lose situation. And it, it pisses me off because it almost seems like Jack Del Rio did that on purpose, right? Like, what are you thinking? What, what kind of defensive coordinator in their right mind puts a rookie who struggled and was benched for the last two games up against the NFL's best wide receiver in a high-leverage situation there on the inside of your 50? where you can throw to the red zone, where you can throw to the end zone, where you can give him a jump ball. And so on both of the plays that Forbes got burnt, it wasn't like A.J. Brown, you know, juked him out of his shoes there with, with a couple of moves. It was more like, hey, I'm better when the ball's in the air. And of course you're going to be better when the ball's in the air than a rookie who's not ready for this situation. And so I just, I blame Jack Del Rio. I blame Jack Del Rio for not blitzing enough against a hurt Jalen Hurts. I blame Jack Del Rio for putting Emmanuel Forbes in a lose-lose situation. I blame Jack Del Rio for having David Mayo in situations against linebackers and against running backs. I, I mean, he did do a few things where they made some changes that I was happy about, but it's changes that I've been calling for week one. And that was for Cam Curl on third downs to go against the tight end. And twice, twice in the first half on a third and short, the Eagles tried to pick play and tried to get the ball to Dallas Goddard. And Cam Curl made an exception, exceptional play on the ball. It was perfect. He did exactly what he needed to do in that position. And that's why you put a safety on a tight end because the linebacker's not going to be quick enough for that situation. So they did make some adjustments, but other times their adjustments screwed them. Like, why are we adjusting the defense here on a third and long and just and just dropping back in coverage and giving Jalen Hurts all day to kind of limp around and then run for the first down? That was a backbreaker. And that was one of those plays here where Cam Curl was great on third down and was bad. He needed to shed the block and get after the quarterback, and it was almost like he was taught to let J- Jalen Hurts run for it and not give up the big play. That was a terrible play call there and uh, bad execution as well by your safety on that play. Let's go back to the phone lines here, 833-804-0910. We've got uh, Raiders fan in Richmond. You're on the fan with AWOD. What's up, buddy? Hey, much. What's going on, AWOD? What were your thoughts on that game last night, man? Man, we just, they just can't, just can't get, get over the hump, you know, uh, it was in the game. My, my comments on Forbes, though, more about Forbes. The thing about Forbes is A.J. Brown, he's on the chair right now, man. I don't yeah. think there's nobody on, on y'all side right now who would have covered him last night. I hate to say it, 
But I mean, you got to double that man, or you got to put him in some type of uh, zone or something. You know, you need two on him at all times. But then that's gonna open it up for Demonte. But uh, y'all back, y'all got to do something about your linebackers and your back end. Man. That's how I feel. Yeah. The linebackers not playing strong enough, and the, and your back end, your corners not strong enough. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Let me ask you a question because you're so right about A.J. Brown. Nobody can stop him right now. He reminds me of like an, a prime Terrell Owens where he's just unstoppable on 50-50 balls. He's running great routes, and you can't even tackle him when he comes down with it. But what, what the hell is going through Jack Del Rio's mind to put Forbes on him in a high-leverage situation like that? You're failing the rookie. I, I, can't, I can't disagree with you, A.Y., but who? Yeah, I, I just think uh, uh, you need a veteran there. You need a guy like Fuller. Even St. Juice, who, who's bigger and and uh, has more length, would have been a, a better guy against him. But, you know, the only way to stop A.J. Brown in that situation is to put two guys on him and to just completely take mm-hmm. him away. But then you're right. At the same time, you're going to lead Devontae Smith wide open. But you also cannot have a breakdown in coverage where Devontae Smith walks into the end zone in the fourth quarter of a game. Like, that's just completely unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But y'all got y'all got to take some of the bright side, man. You know, the offense is definitely looking up. The defense is took, took a step back. But uh, it's a lot it's a lot better. Than, it's a lot more promising than last season, man. Like you say, y'all, you think, I think y'all got y'all franchise quarterback and y'all just starting to build around him, you know. Even maybe uh, get rid of some of them guys that ain't working on the defense, them big names, Chase Young or uh, – Martinez. I like Martinez, though, but they got to deliver. They never won draft picks. It's time for them guys to deliver. Yeah. No, great point. Great point. I mean, uh, these guys are first-round draft picks, and they're not delivering, and they're just, you know, they're not getting home. And it, it, what's so frustrating, and I, I tweeted this after the game at AWOD Radios, I feel like if we played like that offensively throughout the season, we'd win nine or ten games. And if you played defensively like you did all of last season, You'd win nine or ten games as well. So we came into this offseason saying, oh, we were 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. The defense was solid. The offense needs to upgrade. Well, the offense upgraded, but the defense took so many steps back, and that's what's driving me and the rest of the fan base crazy. Uh, how do you think Monday Night Football plays out? Raiders, Lions, who you got? Oh, man. I, and I'm a Raiders fan, man. I got the Lions. They're at home. They <laughs> took a big loss last week. Uh, Garoppolo just coming back, uh, not looking promising, but, uh, this is the kind of game we'll turn out and win. You know, we kind of like, we're the West Coast, we're the West Coast commanders, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like the game plan for the Raiders ju- should be just drop back and throw it up to Devonta Adams over and over and over again. I can't disagree with, <laughs> I can't disagree. Yeah, man. I, I always uh, appreciate hey, you hey, chiming hey, in. Yeah. Always, hey, well, hey, I was listening, man. My man did a good job on the pickleball tournament uh, commentating, uh, man. He did a great job, that guy, man. I didn't catch his name, but he did a great job. and just wanted to shout him out. Hey, man, hey, give me give me more of your thoughts on that because I was playing in the tournament, so I didn't get to listen to it live, but you you thought it was entertaining. Yeah, man, it was pretty entertaining, man. He wasn't too bad, man, for, the, you know, never to uh, been commentating pickleball before. He was doing pretty good. He was, yeah. he was giving you your shot. You know, he said you was doing great out there, man. Well, I'm feeling it today. I'm sore all over. I've got a, a couple stabs <laughs> on my left hand from when I dove. Uh, but I'm proudly, uh, I'm proud to say that I won the bronze medal. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, you did? Oh, man, congratulations, man. We, at least we walked away with something, huh? Yeah, yeah, we walked away with something, with some scars, some blood on my shirt, but at least I got third place. Uh, thanks for chiming in, man. Phone lines are always open, 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for the Hokies, and we didn't talk enough about that win Thursday night over Syracuse, 38-10. to 10. Uh, So right now I wanted to go around college football action in the state of Virginia with University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, rivalries, rankings, all the college football in the state of Virginia. We'll follow the action all season long. College football, baby. University Drive on AWOD Radio. All right, so with that win Thursday night, Virginia Tech now has sole position of third place in the ACC. And just like that, in a span of a few weeks, from doom and gloom to the light at the end of the tunnel, Coach Prize boys are in a groove. They've got a great recruiting class for next season. This is a young team, so they're going to build upon this for next year. And, uh, man, it's just fun to watch them win. 3-1 and one in the conference, 4-4 four and four overall, just two more wins to get a bowl game for the Hokies. And it was a dominant start-to-finish victory on Thursday night over the Orangemen. 13 points in the first quarter, up 13-0. 30 30-3 at halftime, and you cruised a victory 38-10 thanks to 318 yards rushing, giving up zero to Syracuse because of several sacks by the Virginia Tech defensive line. Uh, Bayshon Tootin with a great game. Malachi, Malachi Thomas rushing the ball 13 times for 87 yards. But, man, comes down to the quarterback, Kyron Drones, who was able to rumble his way eight times for 56 yards, throw the ball through the air 494 yards, and a score as the offense looks completely different with him as the starting quarterback over Grant Wells. Nothing against Grant Wells to transfer out of Marshall, but I told you guys all offseason, I want drones to play because when your offense is struggling in college football, you got to be able to pick it up with running it with your quarterback, right? And that's what drones has been able to do. And a couple of third down conversions with his feet have kept the offense on the field more. And because of that, they're scoring more points, and they've really improved defensively. They've stopped giving up explosive plays on the ground, and the secondary has been playing really well also. So big win for the Hokies as they move to 3-1 and one in conference play, and they travel to face off against the second-place team in the ACC, Louisville, coming up at 3.30 on November 4th. Over to the Hoos with UVA. Tough loss in overtime. Very tough loss. I was watching the game on Saturday. Looked like they had an opportunity there in the fourth quarter. And then again in overtime as the U comes from behind to defeat UVA 29-26. Despite Tony Musket's decent performance, 24-38, 238, 9 yards. He did have one interception, uh, which cost Virginia. Uh, but really, I think it came down to the UVA defense who just could not stop A.J. Allen on the ground. 
for the Hoos. Mark Fletcher Jr. as well. Both averaged over four yards a carry. Paris Jones had a decent game, and Mike Hollins had two touchdowns. Heartbreak defeat in overtime for UVA, who had been playing so well, so well. And so you win two games in a row, right? The get-right game against William & Mary. The big road victory over number 10, North Carolina. And then you had Miami on the ropes. Man, it's just it's a disappointing loss here for UVA. And, and uh, this, the trend continues of them losing tight games. All right, They have six losses on the season. Four of those losses have been by a combined 10 points. Man, this is a UVA team that could easily uh, have a winning record at this point in the season. Instead, they're 2-6 and six with a game against Georgia Tech on the CW next Saturday at 2 p.m. We move over to the biggest story in local college sports, and that is the James Madison Dukes getting a homecoming win over Old Dominion. The Monarchs fought strong in the Royal Rivalry. Came out the third quarter, scored 14 points, but James Madison was too tough and won this game defensively. Jordan McLeod, two interceptions, three touchdowns, 340 yards, but it was JMU's defense who came away with the takeaway, the turnover as Grant Wilson, the, the quarterback for ODU, fumbled and JMU recovered and went on to win 30-27. to I told you guys last week, this is a trap game, right? <clears throat> JMU is the better team than ODU, but that's a rivalry game, and it's a conference game inside the Sun Belt. And with homecoming, there's a lot of distractions. Everyone, you know, the alum are coming back to Harrisonburg to watch the game, uh, but they got the win, and the number 25-ranked team in the country goes to 8-0, 5-0 in conference play. And there were a few teams around the country that lost, so I think they could jump up possibly even into the top 20 before their game next weekend against Georgia State. Uh, so you got Georgia State, UConn, Appalachian State, and Coastal Carolina as the final four games of the season as JMU is going to try to stay undefeated. Georgia State, the Panthers, are going to be a tough opponent. They're at 6-2 on the season and 3-2 and in the Sun Belt, and of course, uh, James Madison trying to stay rolling and, and hope that this story grows and grows and grows as, as more governors and mayors and senators speak up for the Dukes in, in hopes of them being able to play in a bowl game. We will see what happens, uh, but I think as long as they keep winning, you're going to see more national reporters, more national sports TV and radio shows talk about the Dukes, and that's got to make everyone feel good. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Uh, quickly here around college football, USC wins a thriller 50-49 to thanks to Caleb Williams, 369 yards, and the defense coming up big late on a two-point conversion. Um Tennessee defeats Kentucky in a hard-fought battle, 33-27. Duke goes down in flames to Louisville, 23-0. Georgia Tech upsets UNC. So UNC with a couple losses in a row now. They lose that one, 46-42. Notre Dame bounces back against Pittsburgh, puts up 58, thanks to Sam Hartman's 288 yards and two touchdowns. 
Number 11, Oregon State upset by Arizona, and Oregon blows by the 13th ranked Utes out of Utah thanks to Bo Nix's 248 yards and two scores. Oregon now 4-1 in the Pac-12 and 7-1 and overall. Um, number six, Oklahoma loses to Kansas. That's a big upset there, 38-33. to I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. It's the final segment of Halloween Monday coming up next. Welcome back. Ram Nation, I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on Richmond's home for VCU basketball. You can hear every game right here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM. I do the pregame and the halftime report alongside Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. And tomorrow on the show, I will give you all my takeaways from the exhibition game. But let me just tell you, Ryan Odom's offense is impressive to watch. All right, and if you have not already, you should be purchasing your ticket for the season opener on November 6th at the Seagull Center against McNeese State. But I need to let all VCU fans know that this is going to be an awesome season because we're going to score a ton of points. And it starts next week on November 6th, and then it really gets juicy in Orlando, Florida, as we will face off against either Virginia Tech, Iowa State, Butler, maybe even Penn State, in the championship as part of the ESPN Invitational. And I want to let all VCU fans know that you can join me, AWOD, and Sports Radio 910 The Fan at the event. I can't think of a better way to spend Thanksgiving, right? I get it. I could be with my dad watching the commanders play and arguing with each other about Ron Rivera. But I'm going to spend my Thanksgiving in Orlando, Florida at Disney World, the Walt Disney World Resort, watching my favorite basketball team, my favorite sporting team in the planet, that is the VCU Rams. As Club D3 Travel and myself, Adam Epstein, will be going to Orlando, and I'll be broadcasting live from the ESPN Events Invitational Basketball Tournament this Thanksgiving weekend at the Walt Disney World Resort. And you could cheer on your VCU Rams as well as exclusive tournament packages are presented by Club D3 Travel. So whether you want to stay on or off Disney property, Club D3 Travel gets you in the action. Club D3 Travel is owned and operated by a VCU alumni and Disney expert. You can give them a call today, 804-869-0184. All right, if you're interested in coming to this tournament, you can still get tickets to the event. You can still book your package right now at D3 Club D3 Travel. That's 804-869-0184. Write down this number. You can give them a call throughout the rest of this week and next week. It's 804-869-0184. Or go visit their website at www.clubd3travel.com. It's going to be an awesome event. I cannot wait to be down there in Orlando to watch VCU basketball. But, of course, tomorrow is Halloween. Kind of awkward that it falls on a Tuesday, uh, but I got to be out and about on Saturday after the VCU exhibition in my pirate costume, and I was out there looking for my booty, looking for the best treasure (laughs) in all of Richmond, and uh, I had a great time uh, dressing up. I walked around, and I just did that stupid arg voice. There was a... yeah, I was at River City Roll Stub, and the, one of the bartenders was also dressed up. And I was like, are you going to make me wait in line here? Are you going to serve me that good liquor? 
<laughs> so I'm sure people got annoyed of that voice, but I had a great time. The drinks were flowing, and uh, River City Roll was the place to be. felt like everyone in Richmond was at RCR on Saturday night. Stubb, what did you do? Uh, I had a, my friends had a party, so it, it was just a house party Little on house Saturday party. night for me. Yeah. Good time. All right, all right. I love house parties, so you got to give me the breakdown here. What part of Richmond was it in, and was there beer pong in the basement? Because that was a big staple of VCU. Uh, well, it was. It, they they live uh, right near Cary Street, so okay. apartment complex. You know, third floor, okay. so no basement. As okay. <laughs> on the third floor, there was pong. There was stack yep. up. Stack up is a lot uh, more common uh, here because uh, okay. yeah, that that's my friend I usually go to for parties. Stack up, you know, music. Tons of jello shots. That was like more jello shots than I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why they kept bringing them out and made like, I, it must have been about 300 that they made. <laughs> what did you What did you dress up as? Uh, are you aware of the the hip hop uh, interviewer Nardwar? No, I'm not. My goodness, you are to... showing your age. Who the hell is Nardwar? It is what? too much to explain. <laughs> All right, I'm looking up a picture of him right now. He kind of looks like um, uh, Weird Al or something, yeah. or mixed with like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen or something. With, with the hat, which I had for my roommate, I looked exactly <laughs> like him. <laughs> okay. He's got this 14-minute interview with Snoop Dogg. I might check that out later it's today. great. He <laughs> He's like the best researcher in the world. He pulls up like hyper-specific information from like their childhood. And, yeah. and he's like one of the most respected journalists in the hip-hop world because of that. <laughs> well, I need to see a photo because taking a look at this nerd, nerd war uh, with his hat, his glasses, long hair, I feel like you could pull this off. Like, he kind of looks like you, Stubb. He does. He does look like me, and, and that's why it worked out. So my, my roommate was like, oh, I have this hat, because I was, like, so last second. And I was like, oh, that's the same hat that Nardwar has, and that kind of brought me there. And then, you know, I, like it was, like, a lot of my friends there, so I would, like, interview them. I had, like, a, a walkie-talkie that I pretended was a microphone. Uh -huh. Nothing like doing a bit when you're in a costume. Yeah, so maybe you can uh, air that audio later this week uh, if there's anything good. But I'll tell you, we talked all of October about how guys wait to the last minute to buy their costume. I, I want to call out two of my friends for having the worst costumes in the world. One of them was wearing an Orioles hat and a Baltimore t-shirt. What the hell is that? Dude. That's not a costume. You're just an Orioles fan. The other one was wearing an RG3 jersey. That was it. And I'm, I'm just like, come on now. It's obvious you waited to the last minute, and you came up with nothing, and so you just you just went as a sports fan. That's so lame. It's, but it's we lame. talked about what's going to be the most popular costume, and you were convinced it was going to be Barbie. I was convinced it was going to be Taylor Swift. I can tell you right now, that was not the most popular costume I saw at River City Roll. Maybe one Taylor, maybe one Barbie. I saw, and I'm not joking, 15 blind mice. All right, it was like five groups of three. These girls were dressing up as the three blind mice, and they were wearing, you know, these gray dresses with sunglasses on, and they were walking around pretending to be blind. And I saw like fifteen of them, dude. Everyone was dressing up as a blind mouse. What a <laughs> what a crazy time to bring it up. <laughs> I, I I sent you the picture of me in the costume, by the way. But okay, the, the my 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 friend and my roommate they suggested we do the three blind mice too, <laughs> and I don't know why it's so. I don't. We we lean no because we're like ah, you know. Oh, that could be insensitive. It's not worth the risk. But I guess, you know, I guess the people of Richmond weren't weren't as afraid. No, no, there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, what do you call the uh, dead, dead, uh, dead women that uh, are about to get married? What would you call that? Ah, what Corpse I'm blanking bride? on. What? Corpse bride? 
Yeah, yeah. Like there that, are a yeah. lot of corpse brides, uh, you know, in, in white dresses or black dresses with a little bit of, like, blood going down their face. Uh, I met an ogre. There was Shrek made an appearance there. I saw a donkey. Uh, but uh, I did see, I probably saw the most guy costume was Spider-Man, I think. There oh, were a yeah. ton of Spider-Man. It's like always Spider-Man. It, yeah. <laughs> every year. I mean, who doesn't yeah. love Spider-Man? You know, the new game just came out. The, the movie came out earlier this month, or, or, I mean, a couple months ago. It's, I love Spider-Man. What was the most original costume, though, that you saw that blew your mind, either in person or on social media? Um, I mean, I also saw Shrek on the street. That was crazy. Oh, you did? Yeah, and then uh, the host of the party had not one, but two really detailed Game of Thrones costumes. Ooh. They changed well, mid-party, cool. and it was, it was yeah. impressive. I saw a lot of people that went all out on social media uh, dressing up as, like, one of the characters from Avatar. And I wanted to just, like, grab them and say, do you realize that nobody liked that movie? Like, <laughs> I get it. It looks cool to be all blue, but no, it's not relevant anymore. <laughs> Nobody's talking about Avatar. Like, you just show, you just are showing off the fact that you can, you're pretty good with a makeup stick, but nobody wanted to see the blue people. <laughs> yeah, not, not a fan of the, those no. blue people. No, no. So maybe we can do more of a Halloween recap tomorrow as it is, of course, Halloween. If you have any Halloween plans around Richmond you want to share with me, you can always chime in 833-804-0910. But that will be tomorrow as we're done for the day. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.